Chapter Twenty Two of David Ransom's Watch by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two. He let things go. The open letter that Miss Hannah held was not in Harlan's well-known hand, though the young man indulged in many little notes to her as he had all through the years of his absence from the farm. Sometimes there would be enclosed a picture of the new hall for students or a photograph of his favorite professor, or it might be a pressed flower that had a long name and was boasted of as rare, and that grew in our south meadow. Sometimes it was simply a message on a postal. The top of the morning to you, Aunt Hannah, isn't it a lovely day? If this weather holds, you and I will take a famous tramp next Saturday. Aunt Hannah had been hungry for a letter that morning, and, Jonas being otherwise employed, had herself driven to the post office, declining to wait until the afternoon. Nor had she been disappointed. There had been a few bright lines from Harlan, which she had devoured as soon as she was seated in her spring wagon, saying aloud as she read, with a shadow of a smile about her lips, "'Was there ever such a boy!' There had been another letter, at which she had not even glanced, in her eagerness for Harlan's. Having quite finished his, and indulged herself in thought about him, she remembered the other letter, and read her name on the envelope. As she did so, the blood crept slowly over her face and forehead, as though she were a girl in her teens. The writing was somewhat irregular, as though the writer had been feeble, or extremely careless, but every curve of every letter was familiar to Hannah Stearns. There was but one person in the world who could have written on that envelope. Miss Stearns dropped it into her bag, then gathered the reins with a determined hand, and drove home faster than old Dexter had travelled in many days. There was, however, no unseemly haste about her movements when she reached home she gave account of her errands in town in her usual business-like tones gave to miranda her message which mr harlan never forgot and finally instead of seeking her own room went to the parlor and locked herself in the parlor was hopelessly associated in her mind with ben ransom and she had a letter from him in her bag only a few lines which read thus dear hannah I may say so, may I not? You know you were always that to me. I wonder if you can find it in your heart to come and see a poor fellow who has got, I guess, pretty near the end. I am at the hospital, as you will see by the letterhead, quite broken up. I was in that railroad crash on the west shore, of which you doubtless read. I didn't suppose myself to be much hurt, and came on by the next through train as far as this city." queer wasn't it that i should go to smash just here when i've been all over the country i don't think the doctors have much notion of my pulling through though as usual they keep their wisdom to themselves it is some internal arrangement that is the worst however i am a wiry sort of fellow and may disappoint them yet meantime couldn't you be persuaded to look in upon me for the sake of old times and of what might have been this is the first letter I have attempted, and the nurse is already looking growls at me, so I will not try to move you by eloquence, but will throw myself on your mercy, 
only waiting to add that i am a homeless friendless fellow yours in the name of auld lang syne ben ransom miss hannah read this letter through three times with long pauses between each reading during which she stared blankly at the mantelpiece benjamin ransom in the city but a few miles distant ill perhaps dying and alone such was the situation her mind was gazing at why did he care to see her what had become of lucy should she go to him these were the questions around which her thoughts revolved the letter sounded like the benjamin ransom she used to know perhaps he had not greatly changed in any respect while she did he expect to find in her the hannah stearns he used to know dear hannah what right had he to call her that still she was an old woman now and if she thought him as ill as he professed why she arose and went over to the tall old-fashioned gilt-framed mirror set into the end wall of the long room and took a deliberate survey trying to contrast the woman she saw there with the one on whom ben ransom had looked when he was last in that room undoubtedly she had changed far more than he women generally did change more than men and besides she was older than he certainly she had changed her hair was quite gray and she was in short an old woman that her manner of dressing her hair and herself accentuated the years miss hannah did not doubt but no thought of making any changes even entered her mind there had been moments in her life when she had almost wished for harlan's sake that she had not permitted herself to dress in a fashion so utterly out of accord with the prevailing mode but the habit once formed she had resolved that she would never make herself the subject of remark by changing she was grimly glad that harlan was a man of too much sense to care about such things she felt quite sure that mr ransom was not but she had nothing to do with him still ought one to deny the request of a man who might be dying she looked at the letter again and noted that it was visiting day at the hospital then she looked at her watch and thought of trains miss hannah had not visited the city so close at hand in more than five years but she saw in that fact no reason why she should not go if she chose jonas was bringing a basket of baking apples to miranda when their mistress appeared in the back doorway and electrified them jonas have you unharnessed dexter well then you may harness him again and drive me to town i'm going to the city on the ten nineteen train i shall come back probably on the five twenty three and you must be there to meet it perhaps you better take this afternoon to drive over to melbourne to see about that cow it will just about give you time to get back for the train jonas was speechless with amazement but miranda said good land miss hannah you going to the city and all alone no said miss hannah with dignity i presume not i have no reason to suppose they will get up a special for my benefit i'm taking the regular train and it is likely that the usual number of travellers will be on hand miranda could not be quenched she hovered about her mistress like an anxious hen whose well-behaved mate had suddenly been changed into a duckling she had been to the city herself within the year 
and had a vivid recollection of the terrors and perils of the way once she ventured a remonstrance hadn't jonas better go with you miss hannah or me i could plan to go as well as not miss hannah turned keen gray eyes upon her what for she asked do you think i am in my dotage or too young to be trusted alone then she relented as a sudden thought occurred to her and she said kindly you needn't be worrying about mr harlan my business has nothing to do with him and i don't expect to have time even to see him unless he happens to come out to-night on the same train but as to what the business was miranda and jonas were left to conjecture which they did almost without ceasing throughout that long summer day being unable once harlan was counted out to settle upon any motive sufficiently strong to take miss hannah to the city had not miranda heard her say more than once and that very lately that she hoped providence would never plan it so that she should have to set foot there again it must be something about stocks and bonds said jonas at last they are troublesome things both of them i know that and miranda looked at him with respect and was silent a clean-shaven man with his head carefully bandaged lay in one of the private rooms of the great city hospital a white-capped hospital nurse was moving about with swift quiet steps removing specks of dust in a room that to ordinary eyes was already speckless the screen that shut off the view of the wide hall had been set back from the open door because the patient liked to watch the tide of life continually flowing through it was outside day at the hospital and though it was still quite early friends of the patients were already taking advantage of the opportunity the man on the bed as he watched the arrivals wondered if he too would have a visitor he had been for several weeks in the hospital and was becoming familiar with some of the faces of callers there was that hungry-eyed mother whose boy lay in the incurable ward she hadn't given him up though the doctors had one could see it in her eyes and there came the brother of the young man who had the serious operation he was as regular as the sun and he was not a young man either he was old almost as old as dave what if dave should come to see him dave would in a minute if he only knew and could with the thought a miserable longing for something like home ties surged over the man again making him realize how weak he was it had been some such feeling which had caused him to write a letter to hannah stearns would it do any good this wonderment was floating for the dozenth time through his mind when suddenly he opened his eyes and there she stood in the doorway he knew her in an instant but his very first thought was goodness what a fright she has made of herself they meant a great deal to him the changes they dismayed him the hannah sterns that he remembered had not been young he had never at any time thought of her as young but always as a woman of fine presence whose dress and manner would commend her to strangers as a person of consequence without fully analyzing the feeling he knew now that there had been satisfaction in the thought of letting that dignified white-robed nurse see his friend miss stearns behold 
here she was in a style of dress that was more befitting the stout german market women in the square than the owner of real estate that must now be valued by hundreds of thousands if he had imagined such a state of things it is doubtful if ben ransom would ever have written that letter but he had written it and must make the best of it you didn't expect to see me cut up in this way did you would you have known me do you think if i hadn't been wearing this turban oh yes the turban covers some interesting bruises and i'm smashed up pretty generally they call the internal injuries the worst i believe though the external ones have been mighty inconvenient well i'm glad to see an old friend at least it is hard on a fellow to lie here and feel there are none to care whether he pulls through or not have you no family benjamin you had children i have nobody my two boys died when they were babies and poor lucy never got over it it is more than twenty years since i buried her i've had a hard life hannah a confoundedly hard life in more ways than one and your little girl benjamin i heard there was a little girl did she too die young ben ransom hesitated those keen gray eyes that once he used to think had a mysterious power over him were fixed on his face he could not talk glibly i don't know he said slowly that is i think well to tell the truth i never knew the particulars it was a dreadful time hannah lucy it seems was sick i did not realize it at the time i knew of course that she was ailing that she wasn't strong but i thought it was chiefly low spirits i had to be away from home most of the time but she had the child and was bound up in her i couldn't help the conditions i've had the most confounded luck financially since i left this part of the world my business kept me travelling day and night and i never realized how miserable lucy was it seems she got to feeling that she might die and leave the baby alone and it preyed upon her she never had much strength of mind you know what did she do but start on a long journey while i was away to take the baby to dave you remember i used to talk about my brother dave and it was on her return trip that she died it was a terrible shock hannah i reached home that night to find only a deserted house but she had left a letter for me and i started out again at once to find her but i never saw her alive and the child said miss stearns after she had said to the husband what she could did you lose her at that time ben ransom was silent for so long that the nurse in the back part of the room took a step or two forward but just then he spoke hannah it will sound horrid to you i know but i may as well tell you the truth i don't know anything about the child except that i suppose she died she was a frail little thing and couldn't have had proper care during that journey i always thought lucy couldn't have been in her right mind when she started i was so cut up and so distracted with financial troubles too that i just let it go i meant of course to write to dave immediately but i shrank from it you know how one would shrink from such a letter as i would have to write and kept putting it off and putting it off then i got to feeling that i couldn't write ever and didn't want to hear from him i thought it would be a story of just another grave 
and it seemed to me I had had enough. I don't know how to tell it. It seems rather monstrous, I dare say, put into words. But I just drifted on through the years, having poor luck in business always, and let things go. And you may have a grown-up daughter hunting all the time for her father. Though she were speaking to a dying man, which, however, she did not believe, Miss Stearns could not have kept back this thrust. Well, as to that, said Ben Ransom, I had no hope, you see, of any such thing. I knew as well as I wanted to know that the child died. She was always frail, frailer than the others, and they died. I knew Lucy got her safely to Dave some way, for she would never have let her out of her arms to anyone else and I knew that Dave and his wife could do a thousand times more for her while she did live than I ever could, and I never got enough ahead so that I could pay them for what they had done, and I just did nothing. Miss Stern suddenly turned her face toward the open door as though attracted by some noise outside. It was because, since the man was ill, and might perhaps be worse than appeared, an instinct of humanity held her from letting him see the contempt she felt. For that, she knew, was the name of the feeling surging through her. Contempt, not at first even mixed with pity. By his own confession, this man had neglected his wife until in her illness she was driven to straits, and then, having buried her, had not felt enough interest in his own child to learn ever through the years whether it lived or died, and this was the man she had once loved. End of chapter 22